Welcome to Worldview from WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. As the beautiful summer days begin to wane, there is a urgency to get out and take advantage of the final days, and we are doing that on Worldview. We're out at the Chicago Botanic Garden in Glencoe, as we were yesterday, and today we're going to focus on the benefits of being out in nature. We all know that it makes us feel good. It makes Worldview feel good to be at the Botanic Garden, and the Botanic Garden here is mining that benefit very deeply. They've got many beautiful gardens with huge wow factors, but the Botanic Garden has for decades made it possible for everyone to have access and feel good while gardening. I am at the Bueller Enabling Garden right now with Fred Spicer. He is the Executive Vice President and Director of the Chicago Botanic Garden. It's great to meet you. It's great to be here. Thanks Thank for coming. Thank you for having us, because it is so much fun to get out and see this beautiful place again. I judge the Spooky Pooch competition every year, so I'm yes. intimately familiar with yes. uh, even the doggy aspects yeah. of the Chicago Botanic Garden. But it's always beautiful, always great to see. Can you give people who don't visit the lay of the land here, because there are a lot of different kinds of gardens, yeah. a lot of new gardens that yeah. every time I come, it seems like there's something new. Well, thanks. And, you know, the garden opened more than 40 years ago as a really beautiful place. And now we've matured into one of the most popular and uh, well-known gardens in the country. With over 51,000 members, family members, it's one of the largest memberships of any garden in the nation. And as you said earlier when we were talking, you know, you can take your Chicago Botanic Garden membership and go to California, visit California Botanic Gardens and, and vice versa. For a number of years, we've had over a million visitors per year. So we know a lot of people are really taking advantage of the kind of outdoor environment that we have. And what's really cool is that we have this blend of nature and garden. And being outside in nature, being outside in gardens has so many benefits, you know, 120 minutes a week can really change your life being outside in nature and gardens. 27 uh, different display gardens uh, that we have here, uh, Jerome, and uh, four natural areas, a 100-acre wood, a 15-acre prairie, beautiful lakes. It's an amazing place, and you can get lost here, yeah. and you can come <laughs> back every day and see something different because things literally change every day. And it always looks perfect. All the plants always look perfect. Well, <laughs> I don't know well, how you do that. <laughs> we, we thank you for that. We want to have that high quality as a marker, and we want people to come here. And, and like you said, we want them to be just wowed beyond belief. And, you know, as one of the treasures of the Forest Preserves of Cook County, we're very proud to carry that flag. I'm always inspired by things. I remember the last time I was in the Prairie Garden, I saw the way you guys are planting the Prairie Dock, and it's a really large-leafed plant, and you massed it all together, and I've got it floating around in my yard, and I thought, oh, I could mass it all together like that and really get like, oh, a, make a, like an impact. It would make a kind big of a, statement. Like a garden impact. Yeah. And, and so I, I take something away every time I come. Oh, that's great. Uh, we're in the Bueller Enabling Garden. To the naked eye, it might just look like a, another beautiful garden. Yeah. But this is a very deliberately constructed area. Sure. Uh, sure. Can you explain what happens here? Well, it's really about horticultural therapy, and it's about universal design. Universal design is everybody goes everywhere, everybody does everything. It doesn't matter if you have a physical, emotional, or a mental uh, issue. And we use gardening techniques and nature to heal people. And um, time spent in nature, gardening activities, things that you can do outside, whether it's with adaptive tools or adaptive equipment, or whether it's just with your hands, you know, this really restores all kinds of health. And it's so good for people. This notion of 
nature as a healing thing. You know, there are nature RX programs in a number of states across the country. There are more that are opening up. And we use this uh, horticultural therapy in this specifically designed garden um, to connect with those people and to allow those people to connect with nature in a way that maybe they never have before. Explain some of the features that allow that. We're dealing with um, raised beds almost everywhere here, so people have access to the flowers. Yeah, and if you see the raised beds are at different levels, so you may have uh, an issue with bending over or with stooping down very, very low. So the act of getting on the ground is something that you might not be able to do. So bringing the plants up to you or making you stretch just a little bit, which might be therapeutic, a little too far might be too much, but it gives you that connection. So we have a lot of these adaptive things. We have hanging baskets that are on strings. So even if you're mobility limited, you can untie the string, you can lower the basket, you can groom the plants, you can water the plants, you can plant the basket, hoist it back up, tie it off, and you're gardening. And the people who come to do this come from where? Well, they're coming from all over. We work with schools, we work with hospitals, we work with residential care organizations all across the region. And a lot of them are enrolled in our programs. And so they're coming here to get either docent-led or volunteer-led classes and tours. And we also do this thing where we certify the horticultural therapists who come to our certification programs from all across the country. So training the trainer is a result of our many years of experience, the depth that we have in these programs, and being on the cutting edge of that kind of work. And the term horticulture therapy might sound new to people listening, yeah, but, yeah. But, but I mean, it's been decades in the making. It's true. And, uh, this has been here 20 years. It's and true. And, and I think it kind of depends on your background or the kinds of things that you're interested. I think things like animal therapy and music therapy and art therapy might be kind of more familiar to people. This is just the same idea, but with plants and nature. And you can get those kind of connections in different ways and you can uh, get different therapeutic benefits from um, different uh, kinds of therapy. This is the kind of therapy we practice here and more and more studies are showing that this kind of therapy is very, very beneficial. I'm in the Bueller Enabling Garden at the Chicago Botanic Garden with Fred Spicer. He is executive vice president and director here at the Chicago Botanic Garden, and we were surrounded by hydrangeas and zinnias. And uh, what are the big leaf plants, Fred, the glory? Um, the Tibuquina grandiflora? Yes, the big Tibuquina yeah, grandiflora. Yeah. You like those. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I like the big leaf plants, as you can tell by my fondness for prairie dock. Yeah. Uh, and I like the ones that stand out. Big and bold. Big and bold. Uh, you've got so many programs in the educational realm that people can take and that are related to wellness and uh, getting involved with nature here. The educational book is like a small teeny phone book there well, with, with it's, full of classes. I, I think you could almost compare it to um, like a small or mid-level university uh, suite of offerings. There are certificate programs that for landscape design, as we mentioned, horticultural therapy. There are even varying levels of those kinds of things, plant identification. We want to be training not only the next generation of horticultural therapists, but as more universities and colleges back off of professional horticulture and professional gardening programs, we want to be teaching the next generation of horticulturists and gardeners. How did you fall in love with this business? Uh, I always refer to myself as a recovering landscape architect. Uh, That's my (laughs) educational background, landscape architecture. I fell into it from a love of the artistic uh, elements of design and how plants and other elements of the built landscape can be used to create art. 
the Chicago Botanic Garden, we not only curate plants, but we also curate our landscapes. We have uh, landscapes and gardens that have been designed by some of the luminaries of 20th century and 21st century now, landscape architecture. Then, you know, like you, I got bitten by a plant bug. And uh, I really began to understand uh, the diversity in plants, whether they're native to um, the East Coast where I grew up or native to the Midwest, or maybe they're native to another place where they're part of their own ecosystem. And that those plants can be cultivated and bring so much joy and expression through a creative act or from just simply using them in a natural setting like our prairie, which was created from scratch but we designed it, we installed it, now it's a prairie. And it's a largely functioning prairie, adding all the ecosystem benefits that a prairie does. That's just a really cool thing for me that from a design point of view, people can do something that's healing and can heal people and can heal the planet. It seems like every plant is a learning experience and an experience to connect with something larger. It's true. It's, it's a miracle. It's true. And, you know, you can just take a walk out on, uh, in our fruit and vegetable garden. And if you think about the history of food, and I know you've talked about food and food plants on your program before, but food is a way to connect to different cultures. You know, we think about where the food plants originate, where the food plants have come from. It speaks to the cultures of where those food plants originate. And it's really a way to connect to people. It's a way to connect to places. And it's ultimately a way to connect to plants and nature. What do you hope for people in this area? Do you have aspirations for people to get out into this kind of horticulture and nature? How do we get them to seize the moment and and attack the You know, Jerome, that's an excellent question. Um, People are so busy. Um, We talk about in the research that we do why people come to the garden. It's for beauty. It's for inspiration. It's for learning. It's for that kind of engagement. I wish everyone had the time to do that. Some people don't have the time. Some people um, just don't know that it's here and don't know that it's available. The garden's free. Um, We do charge for parking, but it's free admission. And we would like everyone to come here and experience the beauty and the benefits of being in nature. You don't need to know about plants. In fact, as you saw, a lot of our plants have labels. Yeah, I write them down. (laughs) We try to label all of them uh, so people can get that other layer. But, you know, you can come and just take it all in. For my part, do I wish everybody gardened like uh, you garden at home and I garden at home? Sure. That's my passion. Uh, One of my passions, that's one of my areas of interest. I leave work at a botanic garden and then go home and garden. Um, (laughs) Probably not um, good for my mental health, but I really think it's the perfect thing for my mental health. But I think in a larger sense, I think people, if they are planting, they ought to be focusing on plants that are not going to disrupt natural ecosystems, plants that are native, plants that fit as a pollinator benefit. We have such a problem, not only in this region, but throughout the United States with invasive species. I know you've talked about that before. And, you know, that's the natural heritage of this continent disappearing. Get rid of your buckthorn. Get Get rid rid of of your grass. Yeah. And plant some good stuff that'll help the pollinators. A little bit of grass is fine. It's hard to play play baseball (laughs) on, you know, prairie dock, but... (laughs) 
<laughs> would slow up the ground balls. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's great to be here, and uh, we're going to go next to your farm on Ogden and see the great work that Chicago Botanic Garden is doing with the Windy City Harvest uh, organization, where you've got uh, urban ag going all over the city. And uh, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, Fred Spicer, Executive Vice President and Director of the Chicago Botanic Garden. Thanks for being with us. You're welcome, Jerome. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. We're talking about nature as medicine with folks from the Chicago Botanic Garden today. I'm now on the west side in the North Lawndale neighborhood, and I'm at the farm on Ogden. It's a project of the Chicago Botanic Garden and Lawndale Christian Health Center, and it's managed by the Botanics Windy City Harvest. And we're taping this segment on a kind of rainy Tuesday afternoon. I'm with Angela Mason. She's Senior Director at Windy City Harvest. Thanks for having us over. Oh, welcome. Happy to have you here. For people who've never heard of Windy City Harvest, what is this urban agriculture project? So Windy City Harvest is the urban agriculture programs of the Chicago Botanic Garden. It's a way to put the Chicago in the Chicago Botanic Garden, right? So we have 15 farm sites now around the city of Chicago, and we use those farm sites as our job training opportunities for youth, for those who are coming out of the criminal justice system, for adults who are transitioning and trying out a new job through our apprenticeship program, and then also we have a small farm business incubator for graduates of the program who really feel like farming is their calling. Fifteen sites is pretty wild, and I was looking around at them, and one's on a rooftop. There's a lot of sites out there. Yes, and they're spread out. <laughs> and the space here, it's relatively new, and it's very spiffy looking. I'm very impressed. Uh, what happened here? Yeah, so this is kind of the culmination of 16 years of work. We started with our youth farm program back in 2003, and we've kind of grown almost exponentially since, it feels like. (laughs) And with that growth, we needed a space that we could really call home. We needed a space for all of our vegetables. We grow about 160,000 pounds of vegetables a year. We needed a cooler for that stuff. (laughs) So this is kind of that space where we can do our job training programs. We can do our VeggieRx program out of this space. It's really kind of home for us. Now, the space we're sitting in here, it's kind of like a large classroom with a kitchen attached to it. And then there's some grow lights over there, and you're growing some things indoors. Uh, What happens in this space? So really, the whole space was designed to be flexible. We can even move that aquaponics system there. It's on wheels. Nobody knows that, but it's on wheels. You know it now. The space that we're sitting in right now can be divided into three classrooms if we want. When you talk about the job training place, can you explain what the core is and what is going on with people? Yeah, so when we designed the farm on Ogden, we designed it with that program in mind in particular because 
we want to place them in full-time employment when they leave us. So when we looked at the space, we designed it so that people could walk into jobs and the learning curve would not be as steep. How do people get involved with the CORE program? I mean, they've had problems with the justice system. Do they find out about it through correctional facilities? What happens? Yes, through correctional facilities like Cook County Jail. We also work with recruitment partners and referral partners in the city. Honestly, this space, we have a lot of people walk in and just say, I I need a job. Do you have any employment opportunities? And I think that that's one of the things about this space that really helped us when we were thinking about recruitment and thinking about uh, enrolling participants. We have a space where we are visible now. You can't drive down Ogden Avenue and not see the farm on Ogden. That's right. I looked at it and said, hey, look at that, farm on Ogden. Yeah, yeah. So it's made us so that we're more visible, more approachable. We get a lot of walk-ins. So that's what we were hoping to do with the space. So let's take a walk around and see some of the uh, things that are here. You've got hops growing out the window, uh, a lot of hops growing out the window (laughs) out there. And it's vining naturally over some picnic tables and a nice brick patio there. That's very nice. Yeah, well, part of the design feature, too, was to make this a space that people could come in. People from from the community, people from outside of the community, whoever, could come in. They have a, a, a safe space to come and just be. They can grab something from the retail, sit, work on their laptop, They can check a laptop out from us if they don't have one, and they just want a space to be. The windows on all sides and all of the natural light, that was intentional. We want it to be a welcoming space. It worked. Yeah, (laughs) I hope so. Well, let's look around. I'm talking with Angela Mason. She's senior director at Windy City Harvest for the Chicago Botanic Garden, and we're at the farm on Ogden, and now we're at the retail space and plenty of vegetable cases. Yes, so one of the job training opportunities is retail. That's where a lot of our core participants are going for employment when they leave us, whether it's in a produce section at a grocery store or uh, at a merchandising store. It doesn't matter. It's retail. But it was important to us to be able to provide produce for the neighborhood. A close grocery store, we're right off of the L, that was intentional. We're right off the Central Park bus stop, that was intentional. Did it work? Do people come in regularly and do their shopping here? Yes, more than we ever anticipated, (laughs) which is a good thing. That's a good problem to have. When I was putting together the business plan for it, and I needed to put a number in for retail sales, It was the biggest unknown, and uh, we have exceeded expectations in that area. And you didn't run out of food. You've got plenty of it. There's red peppers, green peppers, eggplants, uh, green onions, kale, cucumbers, uh, lettuces over there. Uh, But that looks like a pumpkin, apples, lots of... A little bit of everything, yeah. One of the things that we do is showcase local product, either coming from our farms or other farmers that are in the area. But when somebody comes in and says, I want pineapple or bananas or mangoes or avocados, we'll never be able to grow that here. So we bring that stuff in. This might be a good time to explain the VeggieRx program. Uh, What is that? So VeggieRx we run in partnership with Lawndale Christian Health Center, PCC Wellness Center, and Loyola Maywood. 
and we started it with actually Lawndale Christian Health Center. And our idea was that we would work with healthcare providers to prescribe boxes of produce as part of an individual's health and wellness plan. They could then, with that prescription, come to us, get a box of produce, get a cooking demo, get to try that produce that's in the box, and then get a nutrition education lesson. And at the end of that, they could take that produce, go home, and prepare a meal. How did people react to that? Because I don't uh, don't think maybe most people think I'm going to get a cooking demonstration and uh, lessons or something when they get their produce. Did people want to sit still for that? Did they benefit from it? Absolutely. We work with the Chicago Partnership for Health Promotion to do the cooking demos. So they're community nutritionists. They're half-hour demos. We're not sitting for a four-hour demo. It's not a Thanksgiving meal. It's They're quick and easy meals that people can feel comfortable with. We don't have home ec anymore, really. So the thought of cooking can be intimidating for some. What's a fun recipe that they do? Uh, my favorite is the butternut squash mac and cheese, mostly because I don't like butternut squash, but when you put it in with mac and cheese, I love it. <laughs> that could ease any child into it, I yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. It's taking comfort foods and making them healthier. Sounds like fun. Let's look at the hydroponics over here. Okay. Uh, the before pictures, if you want to see them. Oh, you know what? This looks like such a new facility when you go buy it on the road. What was here before? So there was a building here that was used for storage. It used to be a Sherwin-Williams paint store a long time ago. And you can see it was being used for storage and needed a little TLC. A lot. (laughs) This is an amazing kind of hydroponic system that you have here. Let's take a look at that. There's plenty of great big blue tubs here. There's the purple lights purple with a little blue in them, uh, very vivid. So this is our nursery. This is where we start all of our transplants for the greenhouse, and it's also where we grow out our baby fish. Are those tilapia? Those are tilapia. Yep, fish tacos. They're not very big yet. They get quite a bit bigger than that, don't they? They do. There's Uh, some big ones in the back. Yeah, they will be moving out into uh, the greenhouse in probably another week or so. Now, where does their fish poop go? Isn't it the magic of all this? That is the magic, yes. We feed the fish. The fish produce waste. That waste is broken down by bacteria and then taken up by the plants. And then the clean water goes back into the aquaponics system. All right, so where's the water going? It's being pumped over to those tubes there, up and then into this bed, and then it's kind of a gravity fed into these beds. Uh, You can see here, this lettuce is just about ready to go out to the system there. And as soon as they are this long, then we move them outside. Cute. These are the baby lettuces. (laughs) (laughs) The baby fish and the baby lettuces. Uh Dr. Detmer, Uh, When we were planning this space, he had seen an aquaponics operation at Duke Divinity School or somewhere near Duke Divinity School. And when he came back, he said, this is what I want to do in North Lawndale. Can you help me make this happen? I said, yes. And he said, well, can we make it glow purple at night? This one was glowing purple at night. And I said, well, yeah, that's the right spectrum of light for the plants that we want to grow. That's easy. So when we started pricing out the building of the system, we were value engineering everything, 
and the LEDs were always on the chopping block. And Wayne said, Angie, if we get rid of the LEDs, is it going to glow purple at night? And I said, no. He said, it has to happen. I said, I agree. <laughs> so we worked together to make sure we could get this purple glowing spaceship here in Ogden. Well, very impressive. <laughs> We're at the farm on Ogden and walking around with Angela Mason, Senior Director at Windy City Harvest, and now we're going to breeze on out into a great big greenhouse. Ah, oh, it's nice and warm in here. Yeah. So Mondays are harvest days, so everything was harvested out of this raft bed yesterday, and over the course of the week, this will get planted again. So right now you're seeing it in kind of that transition. And here we got the big basil that are getting ready for harvest for sure. Yeah, so basil is kind of our canary. I said that aquaponics is uh, managing an ecosystem and basil can act as kind of that canary for us. Now we do water testing, but if we see the basil going bad, it's a bad sign. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Part of the filtration system, when we talk about the fish providing the nutrients for the water, the first thing that we have to do is filter out the salads. We don't want any of the salad waste. The salad waste has to be broken down. And that is a lot of solid waste flying around in there. That It is. It's a lot of good food for our plants. <laughs> Uh, okay, there's some aloe vera. We've got some cabbages. Well, one of the things uh, about building a system from scratch is you find out that there are some kinks that you need to work out in the system. Uh, we had a kink in the system last week, uh, so the big fish are not here anymore. We are back to small fish. and Those are pretty big. They are pretty big. They have a few more months takes about nine months to get them from the nursery size to harvest. So something happened to the fish? They, they didn't make it? They went on their, to their <laughs> next phase in, in life, yes. <laughs> wow, okay, that was a kink. Uh -huh. So we are able to grow things like aloe, which is a succulent. You wouldn't expect to be able to grow aloe in a water-based system, but part of the system allows us to add a lot of oxygen. It's a highly oxygenated system. So the water flows up and dumps down, flows up and dumps down. And our aloe is actually very happy here. We're growing this for a juice company. So we're happy to see it doing as well as it is. Ah, There's juice company. I was wondering, no, nobody just eats aloe. Yeah, uh, you can use it for a lot of things, but we'll have enough aloe here for <laughs> For a juice company, yes. Cool. Where do we go next? Uh, let's go back down that way. I just wanted to show you the fish. We also have our little resident, Placimus. Yeah. He's uh, keeping our fish tank clean for us. You rarely see him out. Usually, he's hiding in the in the bottom of the tank. But he's about two feet long. He's a big fish. It's a big sucker fish yeah. sucking on the side of the tank. Uh, roots of the lettuce in the system here. Oh yeah, here the lettuce is bigger. Yeah, and I'll pull this up. Oh yeah, you can see the roots go way down there and dri yeah. they're dripping. Uh, yeah. there, there's plenty of water in there. So they're filtering the water to go back to the fish tank and they're pulling those nutrients out 
the water is good for the fish. So it's a kind of symbiotic system. And there is a lot of it. If I were to say this would be like 10 or 15 yards of lettuce, followed by a smaller lettuce for another 10 or 15 yards. Yeah, we harvest about 1,700 heads of lettuce a week. And we do it in a succession so that we always have a harvest. Uh, it's part of managing that ecosystem because they are pulling out the the nutrients from the water and, and sending clean water back to the fish. You can't have them all too small and you can't have them all right. too big. Right, exactly, exactly. Alrighty, let's go. We're at the farm on Ogden, part of the Botanic Gardens Windy City Harvest, their urban ag program, and we're talking with Angela Mason, a senior director here, and we're gonna run outside to the um, farm and see the real live growing outside. We're gonna get out of the greenhouse. Here's some compost bins. That's a good sign. Yeah, so when we pull the roots off the plants from the aquaponic system, the lettuce, instead of throwing it away, we put it into our compost system and uh, put it back into our farm systems. Ah, this looks great. There's lots of beds, yeah. peppers, kale. Yeah, so this what else? is our North Lawndale Youth Farm. The site went in in 2005. We work with about 20 teenagers a quarter in this site. It's a job training program for them. We focus on youth development activities in this space. How much do they know about something like gardening at this scale? Uh, when they first come to us, nothing, nothing much. You'll ask them what their favorite vegetables are. I don't eat vegetables, that's what we usually hear. And then after uh, a lot of them stay with us for four years and by the time they're in their fourth year, they know more than I do. <laughs> That's terrific. They get the full experience. They go from planting to harvesting. They see the whole growing season. Yeah, so they do everything from planting to planting to harvesting. They prepare meals for each other with the food that they're growing. Uh, they sell it at farm stands and they work with our uh, VeggieRx coordinator to do some of the VeggieRx uh, sessions with her. We have youth that help in the retail, so it's part of everything that we're doing here. Now, one of the cool things about the farm in Ogden is people can come and tour, and there's classes, there's all sorts of things going on where people can participate. Yeah, we have drop-in workshops on Saturdays for people who just want to see if it's something they want to try on. Uh, we have intense certificate programs where you're with us for nine months so it runs the gamut and we just want to engage people at, at the level that they're interested in. And there's just straight up tours people can walk around and get a, a more detailed tour like we're doing yeah. and just find out what's going on. Yeah we have Saturday tours they start at 10:30, and anybody's welcome we love to host people. Well, congratulations on everything that's happened here, Angela. This is a great thing and a great thing for Chicago. Well, thank you. We love it. Angela Mason is Senior Director at Windy City Harvest, the Botanic Gardens project here in the North Lawndale neighborhood. And stop on by at the farm on Ogden anytime and find out what's going on. Buy some vegetables. Yeah, exactly. Buy some vegetables. Thank you. We're at the farm on Ogden, and we're talking to some of the folks who work here. Tell me about yourself. Well, my name is Renato Ingram. How did you find out about the farm on Ogden? 
Well, see, I started in the court program just like the rest of the people. I came from the courtrooms to the farm on Ogden. The farm on Ogden, adults with the criminal background program, I started in 2014. I came and found a job with the Windy City Harvest. Did you know much about farming and things? Well, I did in a way because uh, I used to be with my grandmother and I helped the older people in the neighborhoods, you know, do their farms and stuff. So I was pretty well off when I got here. You know, I, I know a lot about farming. What made you want to stay and keep at this? Well, it's something I love doing. It's something I love doing, and then I love to work around the people that I'm working around because we're like a big family, you know. And then Chicago Botanic Garden, they take care of us very well. This is one of the best jobs I've had, you know. I'm almost 60 years old, and I haven't had a better employee than Chicago Botanic Garden. I never had a cold day off before, and I got a cold day off. Hey, that kind of <laughs> that was hilarious to me. Now you're someone who's lived in this community a long time. How does this institution help this neighborhood? Well, I've been in this community for 49 years, and before this came here, this was a food desert. You would have to go all the way to 31st and Cicero to get food. You either have to go farther than that, you know. But now, as far as eating good vegetables and having, you know, good nutrition food for the neighborhood, it's a big impact, you know. And then it's helping the senior citizens with the VeggieRx program, you know, where the VeggieRx, they come in, they sit down with a dietitian, they eat good food, you know, and they, they learn how to cook the food, you know. So it's a big impact on the neighborhood, I would say, because before then, I walked this neighborhood plenty of days and came through here, and you had a bunch of abandoned buildings and a bunch of parking lots. What's the funnest part of this for you? Is there a part of the whole farm that you really like participating in? Well, I used to be a grower before I was, came in the sales, so I like a little bit of it all. You know, I, I grew on top of the McCormick Place. I grew on top of the Hilton Hotel. You know, I was a grower. Yeah. When I was in the core program, I became a grower, and then Windy City Harvest and Chicago Botanic Garden, they took a good interest in me, and then after that, I ran the top of the Hilton Hotel, so I like the growing aspect of things, but I also like the selling. Now, Angie Mason, which you just got through talking to, she gave me a full-time position in sales in a retail store because I also like people. You know, and hey, if you come through that door, I'm going to greet you and meet you. When you leave out that door, I'm going to greet you. And if you come in with an attitude, I guarantee you'll leave out with a smile. And you were just talking to a young man who seemed to be curious about what's going on here and, and want, uh, yes, want to see if he could get involved. He was a young gentleman that was looking for a job. He was 16 years old, but what he would have to do, he would have to go through the youth program, and right now we're all filled up. So I was telling him, you know, maybe if he get an early start in November or December, he can be maybe on the crew of next year, you know, because as always said, early bird gets the worm. There you go. Well, it's been nice talking with you. Thanks for doing this, and keep up the great work. Oh, thank you. Always a pleasure. Coming up after the break, we'll be back in Glencoe at the Chicago Botanic Garden, and we'll talk about yoga and wellness programs at the garden. I'm Jerome McDonald. You're listening to Worldview on WBEZ.
This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. We are at the Chicago Botanic Garden, and we're talking about wellness in nature today. And if visiting a garden isn't just a wellness enough thing for you, if getting good healthy vegetables isn't just a good enough wellness thing for you, there is even more. You can take formal classes. You can find out and engage with people who will learn you some wellness. And with us now is the Adult Education Director, Beth Pinargote. And thanks for joining us, Beth, and congratulations on all the great stuff here. Oh, thanks for having me. I get the booklet. It's a great big fat booklet full of mm -hmm. all sorts of horticulture issues. But when it comes to wellness, what's out there? So our first priority is to help people connect to nature in a deep way. And so we have that cord running through all of our classes. You'll see in our booklet stuff like yoga and Tai Chi, uh, forest bathing, meditation classes, outdoor walking workout. There are a lot of different options for somebody. And bird walks? Absolutely. And depending on how you want to define wellness, we have art classes too. You can come, paint, meet people, take photos, and de-stress. And uh, Steve Nakan is here. He is with Whole Journey Yoga, and it's nice to meet you, Steve. Welcome. Thank you for being here. This is a wonderful opportunity for the Garden to uh, share its wellness programs and our yoga program in particular with a wide audience. How long have you been doing it here, Steve? We've been here at the Garden. Uh, this is our 21st year. <laughs> we began with uh, one great. class and uh, I think 16 students. And today we have 12 classes a week and over 200 students that come to our program. What's different about doing yoga at the Botanic Garden? Well, first of all, we're in the bosom of nature, if you will. Uh, these classes are designed in such a way that we're not apart from the garden, we're part of the garden. For example, when we have the opportunity to go outside, we go outside. And if not, we have a wonderful room, uh, studio, that overlooks the garden. So we have garden views from every uh, window uh, space in the studio. How does that affect the practice? That's a good question. When we observe and uh, look at the consciousness in nature, we become conscious of our own true nature. So when nature is part of the program, it's easier to get in touch with your body consciousness, your awareness, and your breath. Are there people who come and take the classes repeatedly? Because this is the place they want to do that. That's a wonderful question. And up until recently, we had one student who had started with us in her very first class and has been with us for over 20 years. She moved to a different area, so she's no longer a student of ours, but she had been with us for 20 years. And we have many students of those 200 to 250 students we see each year and each session who have been coming for a decade or more. That's terrific. Beth, forest bathing hasn't been accredited in this country for 21 years, so that's got to be kind of like a newcomer. That's new for us, so this is our first year offering it, but people have been really enjoying it, and it's been very well received. Now, we did a little bit of this at the Morton Arboretum a few weeks ago, and it's kind of like meditation in the woods. It's kind of like a guided meditation. Mm -hmm. Every session ends with tea made from a regional local product. When we had it, I thought it tasted like the environment we were in. That's yep. the cool part. What are some of the other aspects of teaching yoga here that's different for you, Steve? Well, what we have been able to develop is a program that focuses on yoga as a healing practice. 
So we're not uh, boot camp yoga or uh, yoga for cardiovascular health, though those things become part of what we do. We're here to help people get in touch with their true consciousness, their, their nature, and help them to move through life in a safe uh, way with their bodies. So we, we focus a lot on uh, body consciousness, uh, on moving the body in all of its permutations and abilities. They call it sarvanga sadhana, total body practice. Some might call even what we do yoga for common aches and pains because people tell us all the time uh, that since they began the practice, they don't hurt as much. Have you had students and people who take classes here who clearly demonstrate that they have had a benefit here? Yeah, it's so interesting you asked that question because I just had a student come up to me the other day and say very clearly that our program here and the practice of yoga has changed their life. Uh, they handed me a book that they had written about how yoga had changed their life and credited our program. So, And that's not the first person. This happens on a regular basis. People come full of stress and anxiety and they leave calm and comforted and that's what our goal is. And I would second that. I frequently hear stories from our students that testimonials that they have had life-changing benefits from classes and I think it's important to stress that you know, we have expert instructors that can work with anybody, and we want you to come here as you are, and we'll work with you. Uh, we're talking with Beth pinar Gotay, and she is the Adult Education Director here at the Chicago Botanic Garden, and Steve Nacone, he is with Whole Journey Yoga and has been teaching yoga at the garden for 21 years. Have you gained benefits yourself from being here at the garden and doing this? Yeah, there's no question about it. The garden is a magical place. You know, I think about it every day when I walk from uh, where I park my car to the learning center where we hold the classes, and I get to do this every day. I get to see the seasonal change of plants and flowers and trees and bushes, and I get to see the work that goes into maintaining and sustaining this wonderful place. So it absolutely benefits me. When we walk in nature, it's been proven by science that our stress levels soften, our attitudes become more forgiving, our whole outlook on life changes, and it helps us to become centered. So it's all good. I noticed there's classes on energy medicine practice for wellness. What's energy yeah. medicine practice for wellness? So it's based on... I believe it's called Eden Energy Medicine. It's an actual practice. The best way I can describe it is if you think about when you're kind of zoned out and somebody walks in behind you and you haven't heard them and you haven't seen them but you still know they're there, it's because your energy field is meshing with their energy field. And so this class is designed to deliberately help you strengthen your energy field or de-stress it, or declutter it, or whatever you need to do, get it back into balance. Very interesting. Do you have a wellness goal? Is there something out there that you, uh, you mean, you're doing so much, you've got so many classes, but do you have <laughs> things that are still out there on the frontier for you? So our primary goal is to just help people and deepen their connection to nature. And so how does that exhibit itself into a class? Um, we listen to the students. I get a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails and we send out evaluations and the instructors have close relationships with the students. So 
our goal and our future is always to just bring people what they want so that they can come here and they can heal and they can experience nature in their own personal way. Is that true, Steve? Did you take the advice of the students to kind of hone your classes here differently? Oh, yeah. We're a student-based practice. You know, it's not what I know or what I can do. It's what works best for the student as an individual and the group as a group. That's why we have different levels of practice. We have gentle yoga. We have uh, more engaged yoga. We call it either beginner yoga flow or intermediate yoga flow. And then we have our signature class, Yoga at Ease, that simply allows people to relax. The benefit of our practices as a whole is it gives people permission to relax, breathe, and let go. Well, that's a job well done. I think that's the message for everything, right? Yes. Well, thanks very much for joining us and talking about some of the wellness and nature aspects of the classes here at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Thanks a lot, Beth and Steve Nacone and Beth Pino-Gote. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. I got to say, those bugs sound great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the bugs in the headphones. Thank you. Thank you. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. It's been a great couple of days broadcasting from the Chicago Botanic Garden. We're going to leave you with some idea of the events that are coming up here at the garden that you might want to plan your visit around. With me is Jody Zambalo. She is Associate Vice President of Visitor Events and Programs. Nice to meet you, Jody. Thank you. You as well. Well, the events keep coming at a place like this. Absolutely. One after another after another. And uh, I hate to say they're all honed for me personally, but it sounds <laughs> like they're all honed for me personally. Th this weekend, there is a Bike the Garden event that's coming up. Yes. So normally we don't let people bike around the whole garden. We just have one path that goes through. So this Sunday, we're having an event called Bike the Garden, sponsored by North Shore. And um, it's from 730 to 930. You can sign up. It's for free, but do sign up. And then you'll have a chance to actually win a bike. And you can bike around the perimeter of the garden, and we'll have some people on site. You know, I was getting a ride around the garden in a golf cart while we were here, and I've never actually been on the roads in the garden before. I, you know, you come in, you park, or you ride your bike, and you park. Right. And you get out and you walk. Right. You don't get to ride around. No, it's, you it's, normally it's don't. A, it was kind of a different vantage point. I didn't know where I was, but I, even though I knew where I was, um, it's fun to float around. So I think that'd be great fun. Bike the garden on Sunday. For about six years, I have been one of the judges in the Spooky Pooch uh, Parade Contest. And there's a bunch of categories, and people bring their dogs all dressed up, and they dress up themselves. And this is an event that is beyond the real. Yes, it's very well loved, and it is amazing the lengths that people go to to dress up their dogs and themselves. So if you don't even have a dog, it's a fun event to come to. Um, it is the one day a year we allow people to bring their dogs into the garden, and it's a lot of fun. And again, if you don't have a dog, come anyways just to see it because it is a lot of fun. One year people dressed up as all the characters in The Wizard of Oz, you know, and somebody yeah. was the tornado, <laughs> and the dog was the tin man, and... It was, yeah. it, was, it was all messed up. People they, are so creative. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Spooky Pooch Parade. And that that's, is the uh, Spooky Pooch Parade. That is know. Sunday, I'm, October I'm 13th from 11 to 1 p.m. Um, again, sign up. Um, you can do that online. And you do pay ticket price if you have the dog. But if you don't have a dog, you can come and watch for free. If you're a garden member, you don't pay parking. 
I, I'm judging the horticulture dress up. Ah, yes. So that'll be fun. That is fun. Um, there's also another fall event, Night of a Thousand Jack-O-Lanterns. Yes. So that is um, a relatively new event. And um, this year, because it is so popular, we've only done it for five nights in the past. We've added another five nights. Oh. So it's a Wednesday through Sunday event. Um, you come see the garden at night and over a thousand jack-o'-lanterns along a path when you walk around. And it is amazing. And about 80 to 90 of those are jack-o'-lanterns that are 150 pounds or bigger and very intricately carved, like artist-type carved. That's going to take more than one candle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. And a lot of fun themes. So um, it's not just your normal carving that you do on your front step. And then as fall turns to winter, Lightscape is the big event. Yeah, so this is brand new this year, and we're really excited. It opens up on Friday, November 22nd. Tickets are on sale now, and it is kind of an artist light kind of lightscape. It's all outdoor. It's about a mile long, um, a lot of different kinds of installations, so think... um, Uh, light art, music, a fire garden. I don't want to give away too much. It's going to be really great to see. And um, a lot of things along the way, like um, you can buy s'mores to roast over fire pits. Uh, So really fun. And we're really excited to showcase that this year. Well, there's always fun things to do here at the Chicago Botanic Garden. There's also plants. Lots. And so so if people want to come for the plants too, they are here all the time, 24-7. Yes. Well, thanks very much, uh, Jody Zambolo, Associate Vice President of Visitor Events and Programs here at the Chicago Botanic Garden. We have had a great time the last couple of days. A huge thanks to Aaron Benisi and Judy McCaffrey for their help here at the Botanic Garden. And a big thanks to the boss man, Fred Spicer, at the Chicago Botanic Garden for hosting us. Uh, It's been fantastic. I hope everybody gets a chance to come out and experience the flying gardens here at the Chicago Botanic Garden in Glencoe. Thanks to Steve Bynum also and Julian Haida for producing this program. Ashish Valentine is our production assistant. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. I'm Jerome McDonald. You've been listening to Worldview on WBEZ.